0: This episode of the I Am Northbound podcast is brought to you by the 4D Songwriter, how to dominate the new music industry. Get your copy of this number one best-selling book at the4dsongwriter.com. All right, so you're a music artist with plans to take over the world, huh? Yeah, duh. That's why I'm here. Well, you've come to the right place. (laughs) Let's go! Welcome to the I Am Northbound podcast. Podcast. Your guide to dominating the new music industry. What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number... I don't know because I always forget I always try to remember and then I sit down and I always forget <sighs> why do I do that well I should just I honestly should just be like all right I'll stop recording and I'll go check the number but I don't I just keep going because it's the that's what you've got you've got the real Jason here making mistakes and still moving forward with it all you know Actually, I do remember, it's actually it's episode number 23 because last week was 22 and this week is the Michael Jordan episode. So, I'm going to be taking all three segments today to talk about Michael Jordan and why he is the greatest basketball player to ever play. I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> what a swing that would be if I was talking about, you know, the music industry for all this time and then I'm like, this is just a basketball episode. But then again, you've also got LeBron James wearing 23 as well and some people argue him to be the greatest player of all time. So, who do you think is the best basketball player to ever do it? Uh, Anyway, that's not a topic for today's video, but we're going to be talking about other stuff. We've got heaps of cool stuff planned for today actually. I've got like no voice because of this spring here in Australia and all the pollen comes out and I'm just allergic to everything, Uh, it turns turns out like nature just makes me sick. So, I, you know, yesterday I didn't even have a voice, I'm like, am I going to be able to do it? And right now as I'm talking, I got a sneeze coming on. Is it professional to sneeze on a podcast? No. But am I probably going to sneeze? Probably. Anyway, so, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I've got uh, some really cool stuff planned for today's episode. I've actually been working on the second podcast that I was talking about too. I mean, this got some really cool stuff planned for that as well. I just want to make sure I've got like a whole bunch ready to go so I'm not like every week trying to work it out as I go. You know, listen pages has been out now for a week. We've got people using that, which is super exciting as well. I mean, they've got plenty of stuff going on, you know. But then again, woke up today and the site's down. So, by the time you see this, the site will be back up. But man, it's irritating. Technology is so irritating. Remember when things just used to work and they just worked? I think that was the days before computers because now we've got computers, nothing seems to work, right? Did you check out last week's episode? Did you listen to that one? We talked about some really cool things on that. We talked about a really important scam in the music industry and I really think every music artist needs to be made aware of that because you know, it's something that hasn't really been targeting music artists and now it's here and it's targeting people. So, I mean, keep your eye out for it because it's like the last thing I'd want to happen to you for sure. But also, people seem to really like my segment on ranting about Instagram a bit and I feel like uh, I might do one of those extended podcast episodes that I was talking about and I might talk a bit more about the mistakes I made because I I said in the the episode, I'm going to talk about the mistakes I made in growing uh, my Instagram account and how I can help you not make those same mistakes. But I realized that after I had edited the episode, I kind of took those parts out and now it just looks like I said, you know, the mistakes I've made and I didn't actually talk about any of the mistakes. So, I'll do that and I'll talk about that on a little bonus thing for you guys. And today's show is going to be pretty good too. So, without further ado, let's just get into it. So, you probably know by now, I've been plugging it like nearly every single episode but I wrote a book called The Four Dimensional Songwriter, How to Dominate the New Music Industry and I mean, I have absolutely loved sending it out and I've loved if something even more than that is loving getting responses back from people saying how much it's like changing their life and how much it's helping them with their music career and how much clarity it's bringing to understanding the new industry and I mean, that means more to me than you will ever know because that's exactly what I wrote this book for is like a linear progression to take you from the mindset that everyone seems to be now to the new mindset that you should be in to make big things happen for your music. I said a while back that I was going to do this uh, segment and I want to talk about it today. I want to tell you five reasons as to why most books about the music industry aren't worth reading. So, first of all, the first issue is when people write books about the music industry is that they write them to be a lead magnet. Now, what a lead magnet is, if you don't know those terms in marketing, essentially, it's kind of like putting bait on a fishing hook and then throwing your throwing your rod out into the, into the sea. Again, another fishing analogy and I don't think I've ever fished in my life, but it's the same thing. Yeah, you send this, uh, you send your bait out into the ocean and hope a fish bites. The same thing with this uh, type of thing. The same thing with writing a book on the music industry, they uh, write it specifically to be a lead magnet. Now, all that is, is essentially putting a really flashy title on a PDF document so people will want to go for it and to want to download it. And they'll say, come check out my book, like how to make 10,000 fans overnight or something, uh, put in your email address and I'll give it to you and they email it to you. But then you're on their mailing list and they try to sell you on all the products that they're bringing out and their fan accelerator courses and all that kind of stuff. But that's the first issue as to why, uh, you know, certain books in the music industry aren't even worth checking out is because of the fact that they were written to be a lead magnet, okay? They weren't written to be a definitive guide on how to do anything in the industry. They were written to give you something to get your email address. I mean, some a lot of the times lead magnets are written to be the absolute bare minimum that isn't going to get... Um, isn't going to make you mad. If it contained no value, you'd be annoyed about it, okay? And they don't want you to be annoyed. They want you to eventually buy from them. So, usually a lead magnet is a little bit of good stuff. It doesn't tell you everything you need to know and it just kind of gives you the basic overview uh, to make you want more and then to buy more off them. But that's the first thing. If, if you're writing something to be a lead magnet, then you're never going to give everything away that a music artist needs to know. And a lot of books have written to be a lead magnet, okay? If the first telltale sign is if it's only available digitally and if they're only selling it on Amazon, but they giving it to you for free, a digital copy, if you just give your email away. And if it's less than, you know, 30 pages or something like that, it's definitely a lead magnet. So, don't expect too much from that. Second reason as to why most books about the music industry aren't worth reading is the fact that the ideas inside them are too basic. I have read so many books that other people have brought out too, okay? So, I'm not just saying this to try to promote my book and I'm just like, just deliberately you know, crapping on other people's work. I've downloaded them, I've bought them, I've ordered them, I have physical books in my office, I have, you know, my inbox is full of all the lead magnets people give out, I I have bought Amazon books, my Kindle is full of them too. I've read so many of them and so many of them, the ideas are incredibly basic. Like, I read one that was talking about the secret to finding success in the new music industry and the advice inside it was like, when you're releasing an album, tell your friends and family on the day that you're going to release it, then get all of them to promote it on the same day that it's launched. Like that is the most common advice ever, and that I don't even know why that is even inside a book because it's just it's not it's not amazing advice. And that same book that we're talking about, uh, making sure that your SoundCloud is linked to your Facebook uh, when you put your links, make sure they're correct so that when people click on the link, the link isn't broken. You know, stuff like that, or make sure that if you post to Facebook, you're also posting to Twitter at the same time. It's like it's it's almost like that book was written for someone who has never used social media before. But uh, that type of information inside these books, you'll spend money on a book like this to receive uh, you know, to receive advice that you hope will move you forward in your music career. But everyone's thinking too inside the box. You know, The ideas are far too basic. If you're trying to push your music just through your music alone, you're not going to find the success that you want. That, that's a one-dimensional mentality. And that's why I talk about the other three dimensions you need to uh, bring people in from outside your music. And once you've got them interested, you then transition them into your music, if that makes sense. Okay. So, secondly, just avoid those types of... The books that have way too basic information in them because you know how to use social media. You know how to tell people to share your album when it's out. You don't need to have to pay for people to tell you to do that. Reason number three is that they quickly become dated. That was the issue when I first wrote my book is that I didn't want it to become dated because if you look on Amazon and you type in music business or music industry or anything like that and you see a book that looks fantastic and it looks to contain everything you want and it might have it might have had the exact answers in it but then it says published 2014. You're well, none of that's relevant anymore because the music industry moves too quickly. So, that's the issue with books about the music industry. If they contain too much of a specific advice, if they contain, uh, you know, exact step-by-step methods on how to do anything, they're going to become dated very quickly. And that's exactly why in my book, I try to talk about the general mindset behind it that is kind of evergreen. So, you can use it all the time. If the social networks change underneath you, that's fine. You can keep using this same method over and over again. It's kind of like uh, the general formula. But uh, I'm not telling you in my book like how to set up and run a Facebook ads campaign because that could change tomorrow. You know what I mean? I could have written that book two years ago and talked about how great Facebook pages are and now it's out and Facebook pages suck. So, of course, you wouldn't want to You know, you wouldn't want to get my book then, But obviously, you've got to be looking for that inside the books that you're looking for. If you're looking for books on the music industry, check that they'll publish more recently because most people, when they write about the music industry, are just talking about the music. They don't know about the other three dimensions. So, all they can do is talk about the music itself. And in that case, make sure that the information inside it isn't dated before you make a purchase. The fourth point is that a lot of people out there releasing these books don't tell the full story. Now, this kind of ties into the point about it being a lead magnet because these same Type of people will do this as well, but a lot of the times these people have crazy expensive coaching programs or you know courses or something like that to try to get you to pay hundreds of dollars for that kind of thing. So they don't want to give you everything away in their book. They want to give you like a little bit, but they want you to pay for the rest. Keep that in mind when you're looking at purchasing books about the music industry, okay? Because if you're buying something that's like a real hardcover book from Amazon, you got more chance of it actually being a representative of what the best thing an author can offer you. But again, if it's like a PDF document or something like that where the cost to produce it is super low, chances are they're just trying to give you a little taste and get you to pay for the full thing. Now, obviously, if you want to buy something, you want the full answers, right? So, make sure you get something that is real, physical because that gives you the best chance of it actually Containing everything you need to know to actually make it happen, uh, because you know there's no good uh, buying a book to find out 10% of it, then have to pay you know a thousand dollars for a training program to learn the rest, the actual stuff that you really want to know. And lastly, my final point is that most books about the music industry contain far too much fluff. Because when I read them, I actually kind of like gauge the percentage of the book to find out um, how much is said or how many pages go by before actual value is delivered. Now, I'm not being too critical. But as long as they tell you anything that can help help you with your music career, I consider it to be valuable, okay? Uh, But I count how much of the book has gone by before they actually get to something like that. I read one book in particular that I mean, I won't say their name. I mean, I feel like that set me up to have to say it because I don't want you to go and buy it for this reason but I also, I'm not here to shame people. But I read that book and found out that 43% of the book went by before they said anything of value. It just was complete fluff in the beginning They gave no actual uh, practical or um, advice that you could actually apply to your career and that's 43% of the book. Like, if you look at mine, that's roughly like what, half the book has gone by? All that because, you know, filled with nothing. (laughs) So, it's so silly. That's why you've got to... I mean, it's hard to do this without reading reviews or whatever, but you've got to make sure that whatever book you get uh, actually contains actionable advice uh, pretty much from the beginning. And that's something that I tried to do with mine. I tried to make sure that pretty much from the beginning, I'm instilling value or something that uh, can help shift your mindset. I really wanted to make sure that essentially from page one, you're like, this is valuable, you know. I would hate to think that I released a book that's 43% of fluff before I even talked about anything that could help you, okay? Now, obviously, that's five points as to why most books about the music industry are quite, uh, you know, are probably not worth your time to read because I feel like the biggest point is that even if they do everything right and they're not out to try to sell your program, even if they have the best intentions, most books about the music industry become dated super quickly. I've even read the dated ones and tried to pull out information out of them that I feel like is still kind of relevant but I mean, my summary pages at the end were like 1A4 page off of really thick you know, four hundred page book because things just change too quickly. So I would say that if you are looking for the most relevant, up to date information about the music industry, then check out podcasts and our blog posts. Now, you don't. I'm not just saying this to try to pump myself up because yeah, I believe that my book is the best I could possibly do, and I feel like it's everything a music artist needs to know to dominate this new music industry. But this segment wasn't specifically designed to just be an ad for my book, and it's not just an ad for me as well. It's about where you should be going to try to find the best type of content for your music. I recommend going to podcasts and blogs, okay? Because they're going to be giving you the most updated information, most relevant information that will be applicable instantly for you. And I mean, by the time a book gets written and then gets published and printed and sent to your house, like things change pretty quickly within the industry. So, unless you've got a book that talks more about the evergreen stuff that's more of a formula above the music industry that is applicable everywhere, uh, you're probably going to find that it will date way too quickly and you won't get the value out of it that you're hoping to get. Alrighty. So, let's fix that Instagram bio. The amount of people that I see when I click through on their profile that are not using their Instagram bio correctly is crazy. And by when I say crazy, I mean like 99% because I don't feel like people are using their bio to their full advantage. Now, Instagram does change the page every now and then. They change, um, you know, how things look and how long the bio can be before it gets hidden and you have to tap a button to see more of it. So, you should always keep your eye on that because every time they change that, it makes it harder. You know, they give you like a huge amount amount of space to fill, but if it gets hidden and they have to tap more to read it, you don't want people to have to do that. You want them to be able to see the entire bio as soon as they hit your profile and they don't need to hit more or anything like that to do that. Now, this is quite a simple process, but let me first explain why it's so important that you get your bio right in the first place, okay? Essentially, when people come and find you on Instagram, they need to be able to figure out everything about you by just glancing at your bio, okay? And then they'll look at your photos and usually your bio will provide some form of context to your photo so they'll be able to see what you're all about. Now, essentially, when people come to your Instagram profile, it's like a business card. You're trying to sell them to get them to follow you. And people make crazy mistakes with their Instagram bio and just they aren't using it to their full potential. My intention was not to do like a list uh, type segment where I rattle through a specific list, but I will tell you a couple of things people do get wrong. Uh, I do notice that a lot of people with their Instagram bio fill it with way too much stuff. So much writing, trying to tell everyone everything about them, where they come from, uh, why they should check out their music, you know, different things like that. Like It's, it's essentially all useless information, okay? Because your bio shouldn't be difficult to understand. It should be that anyone who's glancing at it knows exactly what you're about and uh, can immediately figure out whether they want to hit that follow button or not. Now, I've spent ages refining what I believe to be is like the perfect approach to writing a bio. Now, is my bio perfect? No, but it's the closest I can get to perfect at the moment and I'm figuring it out every day just as you should be too. But the first point is to not make it too clouded, okay? Make sure that your information is clear and straight to the point and says exactly what you're about, okay? Now, obviously, your buyer needs to direct people to a link. It's, it should go to a call to action, okay? It shouldn't just be, hey, this is what I'm about. It should point people to a link to get them to click on it. If you use a service like Shorby, like I do, um, or Linktree or something like that. Linktree is a free version. Uh, you can create, you know, these pages that have multiple links off them. So, you can say, click on this and then choose where you want to go. Uh, in listen pages, we're actually developing our solution to that that's coming in the future. But for now, use something like Linktree or something like that. Uh, it's a free option that it's really cool. Now, obviously, if you're trying to get people to click on that link, you need to make that clear and you need to also be communicating to people why they should be clicking on that link in the first place. You can't just say, hey, here's my link and don't even put any context to it or anything like that. You know, some people just put an emoji pointing down onto the link, but that's not enough. People haven't yet built that reason why as to why they should want to check out your, you know, your content in the first place. So, you've got to give them that reason first. So, you do that by making sure that your bio is super clear and straight to the point. Now, the issue that I see a lot of people do, I feel like they get halfway there yeah. They make their bio super clean. They use like emojis at the start to break up their um, information inside their bio which is a super clever and a really cool thing to do because visually that does break up your points and makes it much easier to read and I think that it makes it more attractive for people. Plus emojis add just like GIFs do like extra context to your sentence because it changes uh, the way that they read it in their mind. Like if you write a sentence and they put the sunglasses emoji instead of like a grinning face or a tongue-pokey-outy face, it changes the whole context of the sentence. So, it allows you to do that. Uh, So, I really recommend doing that to use emojis to your advantage, add a bit of color to your bio. But the problem I see is that people get halfway there. So, they show uh, these clear and straight to the point sentences and they've got their emojis set up and it all looks good, but they write it from the wrong perspective. The amount of bios I see that say stuff like 22, New York City good vibes only. And like, it's cool. that I mean, that's like a cool way of explaining who you are to your audience, but you're writing it from the wrong perspective. If you're trying to tell people something about you without it also letting them know what's in it for them, they're not going to click. That's like the second best way you can go about doing your bio. There is a better way. And the better way to do it is to let them know about yourself as you also let them know what's in it for them. Uh, If people browse through and see my profile, they could click off and they could go somewhere else. But at least I know in that situation, that they left because my profile wasn't relevant to them. Now, obviously, I just want relevant followers. I don't want people following me for no reason. So, I try to make my bio as clear as possible. So, that's why I've taken everything I do, what everything I do here with all the podcasts and, you know, the audiobooks and the writing the books themselves and the presentations and the live events and all that kind of stuff and I take it into simplified into one line where I say, I help music artists change the world. So, straight away in that one sentence, everyone knows what I'm about and also what I can do for you. So, if you're a music artist browsing and you're like, hey, I'm a music artist and I want to change the world, I'll check this guy out. So, what you should be answering is, how can I simplify my entire message, what I'm all about with music, how I want it to make people feel, how do I simplify that into one simple line that just says, I'm here to do this so that I can attract my ideal listener and help convince them to click the follow button uh, on my profile. Now, obviously, this isn't something that comes easy. Uh, If you've been following me for, I mean, why would you know this? But if you've been following me for years, you would see that I changed my bio over time, but don't expect you to remember that. But I did change the wording and I like tested different things and noticed my follower counts change depending on what my sentence was. And I found out the smaller and more refined I could make the sentence, the easier people found to... Uh, the easier it was to read and the more people understood what I did and the more DMs I got and the more dedicated followers I got for what I do because they were of a higher quality. So, that's the question you should be asking yourself. How do I simplify my entire message down to one simple sentence? Then use that as your bio. But also, keep your eye out for how it affects your follower counts, okay? Notice if it actually results in an increase of followers. And if it does, then try to refine it more and see if that helps you even more. But you won't know until you test it. So, don't just set a bio and assume that it's perfect. Break everything down into one single sentence that sums up everything about you and why people should follow you. Remember, people are browsing your profile thinking, what's in it for me? So, make sure you clearly communicate what's in it for the listener when they choose to hit follow. And underneath your bio, make sure that you direct them to a link that they can click on to find more of your content. So, the last thing I've got to talk to you about for this episode is to draw your attention to the progress you are making as a music artist and to ask you the question, Are you taking a step forward every single day? Are you moving closer toward your music dreams every single day? Are you able to go to bed each night and reflect upon what you did that day and be able to pinpoint the exact thing that you did that is responsible for you moving forward as a music artist? Because a lot of music artists aren't. They're writing music and they have the best intentions but time gets away from them and they find themselves uh, each week struggling to uh, see any real growth forward. And when I talk to them, I'll ask them like, well, what are you doing to actually, you know, move towards your music goals? It's like a wake-up call to some people where they're like- I guess I'm not doing that much at all. So, that's what I want to draw your attention to. Are you just letting time pass you by and you're kind of writing music and you're putting it out there and you're hoping that people kind of find you or are you taking actionable steps every single day that are responsible for moving you closer toward whatever music goal you may have? Now, obviously, that's easier said than done because it is difficult in this day and age to always feel like you are moving forward but I'm not asking you to take massive steps forward, okay? I'm not asking you to uh, have, you know, say I-, I booked a you know a national tour today that's going to help me with my music career. You don't have to do that because I get life gets really busy, okay? Some people are like, I just did not have time today. I was flat out all day. But what about when you had five minutes? What if you're on the train on the way to work or on your lunch break or something like that? When you've got five minutes to sit by yourself, you could have sent an email out to someone that you could collaborate with, for example, or a booking agent, or if you wanted to try to network with another artist to get on a show with them or something like that. Like there are a million ways that you can step towards your music goals, but I want to challenge you to do that. I want you to make mental note of when you do something each day that is going to result in you taking a step closer towards your music dreams because the easier you can get into a habit of doing that, the easier the process becomes. There is a really cool technique for doing this called the Seinfeld technique because Jerry Seinfeld was the one who talked about this like 20 years ago and it is kind of dated in the way that you go about it, but it does really work, okay? First thing you do is go get a wall calendar from just a cheap store or whatever. You can find them, I guess, in the $2 stores or whatever. Put it up wherever you will see it often, okay? There has to be something that you will see in front of your eyes often. People have said, put it above your toilet if need be. Just wherever you're going to see it often. Now, what you want to do is keep a Sharpie marker nearby and every single day that you do something that's going to help you progress towards your music goals, you take the Sharpie marker, put a big black cross on that day. Now, sounds very simple and it is very simple but the magic comes from the more you do it. You have to commit to doing it for two weeks, okay? So, for two weeks of your life, tell yourself every day I'm going to do something that is going to step me closer toward my music goals. So, every night when you go to bed, you can reflect and think about it and go, what could that be responsible for. Like me sending that email, what if the person wrote back and, you know, go down that trail of like, it could end up here. What if they don't write back? Well, then I'd need to follow up and you go down there. So, you start thinking out your plans and how to actually achieve them and then you'll set tomorrow's goal. Okay, well, you know, if they haven't written back, I'll follow up with them tomorrow. And if they don't reply, then maybe next week, I'll give them a call. You start to approach your goals with a whole new angle and it makes much more sense. But if you commit to two weeks of doing this task, things become much easier. And the reason it does, as Jerry Seinfeld says, is that after two weeks, when you see the chain of black X's where you haven't missed a day, it becomes pretty difficult to want to miss a day from there on out because the goal then is is just about keeping that streak going. You've already built two weeks of streaks. Now, your goal is to not break that chain. So, every single day, do something for your music career and it becomes habit forming. They say it takes uh, 30 days to actually develop a habit but if you've done it for two weeks and you can see that big of a chain on your calendar, you will start wanting to do it more and more because it becomes part of a game. Now, an extra little thing that I've found works really good for it is if you keep the calendar near where you normally have spare time. Like the joke is, you know, in the toilet, for example. But if you do keep it in the toilet and you're in the bathroom, you think to yourself, you know, I've got five minutes, I'll quickly send an email now because I see my calendar and I'll mark it off on the way out. Like stuff like that. Been in the kitchen, if you find yourself, you know, eating your breakfast each morning, maybe you do a little music task there and you help yourself move towards your music goals. Because in reality, when it comes down to it, These goals aren't gonna achieve themselves, okay? If you've got plans for where you wanna take your music, you have to be taking actionable steps each day to make them a reality. Because if you're not, I mean, nothing's gonna happen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the I Am Northbound podcast. I hope you loved it. Why not check out another episode? I'm sure you can find one right below wherever you found this one. But before you do, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Come subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to watch these episodes as videos. And it would mean the world to me if you could share this out to your followers. That way you can help me help more artists change the world.